Well, we've been looking at for a few weeks, alternately with other things happening between, the <coughs> attribute of God's long suffering. And I've um, enjoyed that. He certainly is with this world and us. <laughs> Today we move to another attribute, and as we're reading in the Psalms this morning, did you pick up what it might be? There was a word that kept on coming. I had it coloured in, so I can <laughs> His faithfulness, yes. <laughs> and it's used more in that verse than where we went to. Maybe, it's, as this sermon will probably go into two weeks, we'll read the rest of that psalm next week. But God is faithful. Some people say, most people say he doesn't even exist. <laughs> if God withdrew his blessing and his hand from all that he blesses us with and is faithful in um, would be gone tomorrow. The whole world would be gone. But he faithfully keeps things moving. <clears throat> I was reading this week in the Creation magazine about our solar system and how it's so well balanced. And as the planets keep each other in line and other so where they have a planet, planets around a star, they go in elliptical or orbits and they get pulled this way or that way and praise God that he's put it like it is and uh, it keeps going. He's faithful in all things. He holds, like, like the universe, he holds the atoms together as they go around the, the nucleus and it all stays as it is. Wood's wood. And uh, we can change it. We can use it and the power of those things, but God is faithful in keeping those things. And more than keeping those things, he is faithful in keeping ourselves. God's faithfulness. God proves true. He keeps his promises. It might be a long time coming, you see, because we only, you know, on the world for a small period of time, his promises might be fulfilled after we've gone. A lot of the prophecies, the church has been going 2,000 years, that uh, finalise the church age. They, people, have been looking forward to the fulfilment of those. But he is faithful. There's a couple of verses in the scripture we'll find where he will do it. That's it. He will do it. <laughs> it just states it like that. <laughs> That's as clear as you can get. God will do it. In Psalm 89 verse 2, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall thou be established in the heavens. In Numbers 23, 19, it reads, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. For he said, and he will do it. That's it. He will do it. <laughs> or hath he spoken, he shall shall he not make it good. Make it good, you know. <laughs> we use that phrase, don't we? <laughs> make it good. If someone owes us money, make it good, mate. <laughs> Pay me. <laughs> or make it good. You've made a promise, keep your promises. God will. God is keeping his promises. Make it good. And um, <clears throat> in First Thessalonians 5, 23, 24, this is probably my favourite and Lord willing, we'll use that next week. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body, that's the entirety of a human being, body, soul and spirit, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who will also... Do it. I was waiting for that. <laughs> There's a lot of chance going around the world today, but this is a scripture. He will do it. Body, soul, and spirit. Right now, if you're a Christian, your body, your soul, and spirit are secured, done, saved, but the old body is still in need of salvation, isn't it? A complete salvation. And he will do it. He will fix it all up. Um, <clears throat> no more pains and no more aches. Looking forward to that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. 
what you have said, we can trust you will do it. Because you are a faithful God, keeping for thousands of generations your promises to all. And Lord, we thank you that we have the word. You faithfully gave us your word, and it is a faithful word. And Lord, we are sometimes disappointed by men and their promises because they fail and they're not faithful. We have also been unfaithful in our word. We've either forgotten or planned not to do it when we said we would. And Lord, if we make a vow, let's keep our vows and not make our soul to sin by lying. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us and encourage us and lift us up and that we would take great comfort in your faithfulness because the promises of our salvation the salvation of our body, soul and spirit rest totally in you. We cannot do it, but you can. I pray for those that cannot be here today because they're not well enough, strengthen them, encourage them, lift them up, and may they rejoice in your faithfulness and promises. Pray for our missionaries, Lord, that you would protect them where they be. And we hear of troubles in on the field in different places lord protect them and provide for them and give them wisdom and understanding of how to deal with each and every situation help them lord to understand the culture and the reasons some people do things that they don't understand lord and that they might apply the scriptures in every place where they've been scattered lord we pray your blessing now in jesus name amen <clears throat> The references we've just read and many, many others exhibit the character of God. We can have confidence completely in the assurance that come from these verses. He will fulfill his promises. He will execute also his threats. Like over in the Middle East now, there's a pause and some of the people are those that have been taken captive have been released. But they're waiting for the promises to be fulfilled and they're on edge, aren't they? <laughs> but God keeps his promises. He keeps his threats. Are there threats in the scripture against those that sin against God and don't repent? I certainly are. If only people would take them for real. Because if they did, they would flee to the Lord Jesus Christ in a moment. Because his threats will come through. And it's because that he doesn't exhibit himself in power and glory and all the things that he could do and has done in the past, that people say, what's going on? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But this they are willingly ignorant of. <laughs> if only they realised that he will speak, and when he speaks, people will sit up. I do notice that media even are sort of hinting at someone is doing something in the world. <laughs> yes, it's only the beginning. Wait till the real fulfilment of prophecy starts taking place in a grand way we see first of all this morning the prophets spoke of God's faithfulness did they not now if we did a reading we'd have to read the whole Old Testament and New Testament speaking of the prophets and what they said but here is what David said just taking uh, one from each or uh, several of the prophets and David being one in he was a king but also he fulfilled the office of prophet in the scriptures he wrote in chapter 36 of Psalm and verse 5 and 7 or 2 7 the mercy of the Lord is in the heavens and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds thy righteousness is like a great mountain thy judgments are a great deep O Lord thou preservest man and beast you see he's keeping it all together in his faithfulness how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wing. Praise God for the Christians who have put their trust 
in the shadow of his wing. Pray that more people would do that because he is a faithful God, as David said. And thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds, into the heavens. And so he is faithful. Moses, in the book of Exodus, chapter 34, said the Lord was faithful. 34 and verse 6 and 7 of the book of Exodus, we read there, And the Lord passed by before him and, uh, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy, the word faithfulness is not used here, but in verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and who will be by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Keeping mercy for thousands. In fact, in another verse, and we may get there, but it does say <clears throat> he, he is faithful to a thousand generations. If you take a generation to be probably the shortest, 20 years, and multiply it by a thousand, what figure do you come up with? 20,000. How, how old's the world? <laughs> 6,000. <000. laughs> and he's going to keep his mercy to, it's forever. That's what really is being said there. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity. Do you not sometimes, and I sometimes, start doubting whether the Lord is, has the ability to forgive and cleanse and keep you as his child? Well, here it's saying forgiving iniquity and, transgr and transgressions and sin. He does that. Remember his faithfulness. He will do it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what his word says. Take him at his word. He is faithful. Maybe we're so used to people not keeping their word, we think that God doesn't. And, and, and that's an important factor. We sometimes remind on Father's Day, fathers and mothers, if you make a promise to your children, keep your word. As God keeps his word, your children look up to you as the authority, the representative of authority, and eventually that pattern moves to God if they believe on him. Can they say, well, my parents kept their word? It's better to say, we'll see, <laughs> instead of, I will. <laughs> I will do this and that, because we are human and we sometimes break the promises. David showed his faithfulness. Moses showed and spoke of his faithfulness, keeping mercy. And Jeremiah did. Let's turn to the book of Lamentations. <clears throat> we'll read the verses, we'll make some comments, and we'll go back to these verses. This is Lamentations, chapter 3, and verse 22 to 26. We read there, It is because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed, <laughs> because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. And what's the... <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto those who wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. What an encouragement. And you know why Jeremiah, who did write Lamentations, could say this. And, and, and this is in Lamentations. If you're lamenting, What's happening in your life? Sorrow is happening. Something's gone wrong. <laughs> and here he is lamenting what has happened in his generation. You see in Jeremiah 1, we won't turn there, verses 5 to 6, Jeremiah received an unwanted call. You're going to be my prophet. No, please. I've seen what happens to prophets. <laughs> I don't want to be one of them. <laughs> he received an unwanted call. He was called to preach nothing but judgment. How would you like to have to do that? You know, 
pastor, get more positive in your preaching. <laughs> but because we're so close to the day of judgment, many times I do speak about judgment. But Jeremiah knew that this was going to be his ministry. Jeremiah was forbidden to marry because of his ministry that he needed to give full time to. And he was familiar with loneliness and things just to be on his own and not to be able to share what he got from God and what he understood. <laughs> the preacher often in <clears throat> his studies will come across a, something really exciting and he'll run up to his wife and tell her, look, I just found this. But they can't share the excitement. They didn't lead into it. or But they do sometimes. Isn't that right? I was talking to Brother McConnell the other day about that. that you find some new gem and you take it. But he couldn't do that. He didn't have people that believed in his, in his town. You remember the angel was sent to find and mark the people that were righteous in Jerusalem at the time of Jeremiah. And he couldn't find none. But only Jeremiah. So he endured depression even. And you read his song, his lamentations or, uh, uh, that we have here before us. And it went on for all his life. In fact, in chapter 20 and verse 9, <laughs> he said, I'm done with this preaching business. I don't want to be a prophet anymore. I'm going to close my mouth and say nothing because every time I open it, I get into trouble from what I say. <laughs> and this is Jeremiah. Uh, but... What do we find in Jeremiah? His, fire, his word was like a fire in my bones and I could not contain. I had to say, you see, the Spirit of God was working in him. He had to say what God had laid on his heart. He suffered imprisonment, didn't he? And it wasn't just it, uh, probably as bad as Hamas's prisons, but <clears throat> they lowered him into a dungeon, dungeon, into a pit full of slime and mud and he sunk up to probably his armpits, his head was still above because he survived for the time he was there and, uh, and they had to get him up with sheets because his flesh had probably deteriorated to a point with sheets they lowered down to lift him out of the pit finally when the judgment of Nebuchadnezzar come upon the city. You see, he was there when three times the, the Babylonians came down to take Judah and Benjamin captive. They, he, <laughs> the Babylonians would beat them up and uh, install a king and Babylonians would go home and then the king would rebel against the Babylonians. And so it, did, it happened three times. The last one that they took off down to Egypt. And so Jeremiah was living in this situation. You think we have got it bad. He had it really, really bad. That's why we have the book of Lamentations. Suffered imprisonment. He was there when, Judah, when Jerusalem fell in the final battle that took place. <coughs> 586 BC, he was there. And he saw the slain children in the street. There was dead people everywhere. They didn't slay him because he was a prophet that spoke the truth. And they said to him, Jeremiah, do you want to come to Babylon or do you want to stay here? And he chose to stay there. He probably regretted that after <laughs> because they dragged him down to Egypt when God said, don't go. So he'd been rejected, he'd been hated, he'd been mocked, he'd been in prison, he'd been ignored in his preaching. People weren't listening to him anymore when he was speaking of the judgment. And Jerusalem was ransacked, desecrated. The prophets and the priests and the people and the children, the families were scattered and ruined. And they, and the, they were taken captive. You remember Daniel was taken in the first deportation. But the third one was <coughs> when it finally happened. And so he was going to speak, and what did he say? Now let's read it again, <laughs> of what Lamentations chapter 3. It is because of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. <laughs> he could apply it to himself. But he could say they could have wiped us all out, killed us all, and there would be none of us left. But he could say he, he took a hold of the little blessings. What was there, 50,000 deported to Babylon. Well, 50,000 came back later on from the Medes and the Persians from Iran. <clears throat> we are not because of his because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, and he could say in the midst of all this, "Great is thy faithfulness." You see, we think we got it tough. What about Jeremiah? Great is his faithfulness. 
at all times, at all stages, in all circumstances in our life. And sometimes the Lord has to keep taking us there so that we might recognize that he is faithful to us in the promises that he's given to us about our salvation and security. The Lord is my portion. What other portion did he have? Saith my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good unto those who wait for him, to the soul that's, that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And was Jeremiah waiting yeah, right to the end, even down there in, in Egypt where he was taken? So, <clears throat> yes, Jeremiah knew of God's faithfulness. And we're going to sing that song later, don't worry, didn't miss it. <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. And that's taken from this psalm as you read it. So God is faithful in his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's because of the Lord's mercies we're not consumed. He's faithful in his grace. Praise God that he gives us grace every day as we walk our Christian walk. He's faithful in his gifts that he gives us the gifts and calling of God are without repentance you see God called Israel he gifted Israel he gave them the oracles of God in Romans it tells us but they weren't faithful that he was he's faithful in his gifts that he renews every day to us they com thy compassions they fail not they're new every morning if only people would recognise that he does exist and he is a faithful God. <clears throat> the gift of his presence for the Christian. What has he said? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The gift of his performance. He is able to perform what he has promised. And Romans 14.21 speaks of that. His gift, his Gift of provision. He will provide, and the first verse that came to mind was this one, he will provide himself a lamb. He provided himself as the lamb of God in his provision. Matthew chapter 6, as you read through that, in the end of that chapter there, it speaks, you know, the lilies and the birds. God provides for them. What will he do for you? Are you not much better than they? If he does it for them, he'll do it for you in his provisions. He will not see the righteous children's, the, the righteous ch people's children <laughs> begging bread. It says it in the scripture. And he provides. Even the prophet, you know, Jeremiah, he was provided for. He, someone had compassion on him down in the pit. And two of them went and got and lifted, or more than that, lifted him out of the pit. And God provided a deliverance there. He could have been left down the pit after Babylon left and no one knew he was still there because most people had been killed or taken. The gift of his person. <laughs> he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jeremiah believed in God's faithfulness, the faithfulness of his grace, of his gifts, and of his goodness. His goodness. He satisfies the seeking soul. He saves, he supports, and we'll look somewhat at that next week. <clears throat> Isaiah spoke. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah. This time, chapter 11, verses 4, 5, and it's in chapter 25 and verse 1. These are the prophets we need to listen to. These are the prophets who are under persecution. These are the prophets who spoke to people that wouldn't respond. They were like Noah in his day. He spoke and people didn't respond. We speak today and people are not responding to self in salvation and trusting in the Lord Jesus to the, to the offer of salvation. Here in Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 4 to 5, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor. And reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. You know where that comes from? <laughs> Psalm 2, 
when you speak of the rod smiting, and it's mentioned throughout Scripture that, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Do you not often, and I often not cry, Lord, do something. They're, they're just multiplying. The wicked are all around the world. The, the, the governments are becoming wicked and corrupt. The leadership is rotten to the core. Bribery is happening everywhere. False and wrong decisions are made. And we pray for the Lord to come and smite the earth with judgment and justice and slay the wicked. You say, Ooh, what about grace? Yeah, there's grace and love come from the Lord, but people are ignoring it and saying no to it. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. He's going to do what he said he would do in all the, the scriptures you, you read about. Isaiah believed it. Jeremiah believed it. Micah. In the book of Micah, chapter 7, <clears throat> the last verses of the book of Micah, or toward the end, doesn't use the word faithfulness, but he says here he will do it. And chapter 7, verse 18 reads, Who is a God like unto thee, who pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. And notice that word coming up over and over again in connection to the, where the word faithful is, his mercy and his grace, because he delighteth in mercy. I will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities and they will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. As if you do, we don't often listen to a rabbi. I'm not a rabbi, I'm a pastor. But if you listen to him these days with what's happening to Israel, what are they hanging their hat on? What are they saying? This is my confidence. On God's word. And verses like this. He will have compassion. He will subdue our iniquities. They will cast all our sins behind us. You are a merciful God. You're a faithful God. You'll keep your word. They don't believe in the Lord Jesus and they're not saved. But they are saying this from the Old Testament. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob. You say, oh, well, he was lived a long time ago. But who, what is it saying when it says that? I will perform. It's a future. It's a, the seed of Jacob. He will perform his truth toward and the mercy to Abraham which he had sworn unto our fathers from the days of old you see he's tying it back to the covenants and Micah did it the prophets do it the people today do it they say and as I said last week the rabbi said we know the end we know the end shame that they don't know what's going to happen between now and the end but they know the end, that they will survive, they will be in the land and they will be blessed because of the promises and covenants that are given to their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. As we oft turn back to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and if you want a doctrine, go back there and trace it through the scripture. In chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, and now the Lord's, you know, the creation has gone up to chapter 11. I don't know why they don't include chapter 12 up to chapter 17. Because that speaks of Israel. That's a, a, a subject and a group of people that maybe some of their, the buyers of their books and things don't have to do with and don't believe in. We do. Let's move into chapter 12. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Can you hear Sarah? When God told Abraham and Abraham told Sarah, we're moving out. And, and where are we going, husband? <laughs> we're going down a land we've never been to before. Don't know what it looks like, haven't got a picture. But God told me. Are you crazy? <laughs> God made these promises. And uh, <clears throat> Ur of the Chaldeans, he received this. And he went up to Haran. And uh, <clears throat> Lot, did, Lot and his father were up there, weren't they? They'd, the, his brother, Abraham's brother, 
He died. Then they moved out. Then they stepped over the Euphrates. Then they stepped into Canaan. And I was reading just this week, in yesterday, in Chronicles. This is a by-the-way point. <laughs> that David said he was on the river Euphrates in conquering the land. I thought, oh, I didn't know he went that far. But he talked about a certain nation and being up there on the Euphrates. Anyway, <laughs> it's a by-the-way. <clears throat> and this land that I will give thee. So he probably got some complaints, but they at least took some relatives with them. And as they left from Haran, where he perched for a while, he took Lot with him. And someone pointed out, you notice that God said, move out, move into the promised land. But God didn't give the promise in full until Lot had separated from Abraham. Because you've still got some family here it's to you Abraham and it's to your seed Ammon and that and Lot and all the things that happened there Edom over the other side Esau the Esau rights if you could say <clears throat> but the promise is to you Abraham and today if people would read the scriptures they're not going to they're not going to until God does a great thing over there and then people say well let's find what's written in the Bible <laughs> Because then they'll say, well, then they will know that there is a God in Israel. And some of them, as I've mentioned before and read part of a letter from an, a reporter in Saudi Arabia, that's their place, that's their land, that's not ours. Uh, they're our cousins. That's what he I thought, well, he's got it right. But he said, it's in the Quran. <laughs> he didn't say, it's in the Bible. <laughs> but he said, it's in the Quran. And, and he quoted it. And I'll make thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee. And Abraham, what do you think? It's just me and you. <laughs> Abraham and Sarah, we're not going to be like that. And you see, God tests people when he gives them a promise. And even Abraham said, well, when Ishmael was born to Hagar, the handmaid, he said, that's the one, Lord, you must be talking about this one. No, you can have one yourself. And when he told Sarah, Sarah laughed. <laughs> no, no, it's not going to happen. I'm old. I'm too old for childbearing. What was it, 90? Abraham, 100? Now, things were a bit different. They lived longer in those days. Abraham lived to 160. So he, we could say he's, he's just over mid-age. And Sarah laughed. And, and when the Lord came in, the angel of the Lord, did you laugh? No, 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 I didn't laugh. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> blessing, I will bless thee and cursing, I will curse them in, in verse 3 I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee it still applies it still applies though the nation of Israel is out of God's favour this still applies who's cursing Israel today <laughs> we, could, we could put it almost this way who's not cursing Israel today <laughs> media around the world Governments around the world. Praise God for a few that stand up. What a wilder or something in in Holland is it over there in Netherlands and and other. We're going to move our embassy to Jerusalem. <laughs> that stirred up the pot, didn't it? In their country, and they had complaints. But bless Israel, hold her in regard for what God is going to do in fulfilling faithfully his promises to them and this is the promise this is the Abrahamic covenant and uh, it, mark it down you say you go there too often pastor well until you mark it down I'm not going to leave here <laughs> but in chapter 15 it talks of it again in God came and spoke to him fear not Abraham in the middle of verse 1 I'm thy shield and thy exceeding great, great reward and Abraham said Lord God what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless to see He'd been promised the stars of the heaven and sand of the sea for descendants. And he said, what are you going to give me? You've, you promised this. I've gone. I'm down. In the, I'm going to the land of Canaan. And we stood at the gate where Abraham would have entered into Israel proper today. And, and the gate's still there. The, old, the, the rock formation. This is, this is where he would have walked through into this place. But he'd, be, he'd come many 
hundreds of miles or kilometres, maybe thousands, to, to get to that point. He'd walk through the land. Everywhere that the sole of thy foot stands is your land, God said. And as soon as he stepped over the Euphrates, he was in the land. And what will I do? I'm going to... And Abraham said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. You said you, you promised, but you haven't. Might not we think that way today? We, we, we quote and say and we understand that we sow the seed and it'll bring forth fruit. We witness to people and people are not getting saved. We have to wait for God to do that. <laughs> and we have to wait that our prayers would be answered and he would be faithful to that which we've committed to him. Like Paul said to Timothy, you know, and Timothy believed that. Abraham was questioning this here. And he said here, Lo, one born in my own house, I referred to this before. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that cometh from thine own loins or bowels shall be thine heir. Look toward the heavens. And then chapter 17, he repeated it again. Just, to know, just in case Abraham, you begin to point, now I'm telling you again. I keep the promises. We've moved from Micah out to here because God will perform what he said he would to Abraham, as Micah said. And in chapter 17 of Genesis, right from verses 1 to 9, and when Abraham was 90 years old and 9, and the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect, and I'll make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thy seed exceedingly. Again, it's given to him third time. Go back to when he first heard this in Ur of the Chaldeans. And God gave it to him and he said to Sarah, Now it's been dug up there that they had running water, not in taps, but in channels. And they had a sewer system and everything back in Ur. And what are we going to live in, Abraham? Husband, what are we gonna, where are we going to live? Well, we're going to live in a tent. We're going to live in... I think it's desert out there. <laughs> and no running water, there's not, none of the conveniences we have. You see, when a child of God, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus by faith, he steps out not knowing where he went, as it says in Scripture about these people, the patriarchs. <clears throat> God would provide, wouldn't he? And God would help Sarah to learn to live in a tent. Then it's tough over there to live in a tent. It would have to be tough. And none of the conveniences we have today. You think of trying to live in that sort of situation for your life. This is how you're going to live. And she would have had those complaints. And Abraham could object too, but he believed. And that God is what? Faithful. Do we still believe these words that were given to, as it says in other scripture, we won't go there, to Abraham, to Isaac, and you have to move from there and to Jacob because that's where you get hung up and go off onto the Arab. Well, we've got Abraham as our father. They do, but they didn't get the promises that from to Pastor Isaac and to Jacob. These things were repeated to them. They believed them. We have the word of promise today that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead... What is the promise? Thou shalt be saved. Will God keep his promise? <laughs> but it sounds too simple. There must be something I need to do. That's humanity, isn't it? What have I got to do to get saved? <laughs> you just got to believe what has been done to be saved. <laughs> it's simple. Don't complicate the issue. <clears throat> And when God made these promises, what did he do? Well, in, in Genesis there, well, back in chapter 15, we won't go there, verse 7 and 8, he sealed the covenant with a blood sacrifice as we've spoken of. And in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13, it speaks of this, where it says, For God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, and you know, who will I take through the pieces like sacrifice a bird divided an animal a sheep divided and they walk through to who will I who will walk through with me 
to seal the covenant. And he said, well, I can swear by no greater than by myself. <laughs> and God is faithful. He's, he went on his own between the sacrifices, as you read in Genesis 15, saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. Did it happen in Abraham's day? No, one son. Well, this doesn't look like many nations. <laughs> this doesn't look like the sand by the sea. Isaac, he had a son, <laughs> Jacob. Jacob started making it look like it was going to happen because he had 12 sons and they become the 12 tribes of Israel, as we know. And surely in blessing, I will bless thee. And how are we going to get this nation to grow? To be able to take on the Canaanites that live in the land. There was giants in the land. How are we going to take? Well, God had a plan. I'll take you down to Egypt. And I'll get you there by a means that you don't like, by a drought. And by Joseph and all the things that God did. You see how God was faithful all the way through? You see, we look back and see the history. We know it. It's in the Bible. But these people didn't have that. They had to live it. And so do we today. We have to believe by faith of what he has said he will do. And we say, do it, Lord. <laughs> Please. Um, <clears throat> he swore by himself. And so he has committed that in salvation to us. He's sworn by himself. He's given himself as a sacrifice. Oh, trust in the Lord. <laughs> know the goodness of the Lord saying blessing or blessing, multiplying, multiplying. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He got an Isaac. <laughs> he got a son. But he didn't see the fulfillment. But when they went down to Egypt, from the promise given to Abraham to the time they came out of Egypt, this is 400 years, they'd gone from one son, and Isaac, or Abraham and then Isaac, to Around And you can read the numbers of the men that came out, 600,000, wasn't it? Plus women and children. So you say there's more than 2 million people came out of Egypt. All the slaves left. All the workers left. And the Egyptians, I know, oh, we've done a big, a big mistake. Let's go and get them back. Because <laughs> they're doing a lot of the work. Two, you imagine 2 million, uh, multiply that by, say, Say there's a million of them that could work. Multiply that eight hours a day. That's eight million working hours. And you multiply it. It's a lot of work that they were doing. But a lot of people, they came out there in number. They had multiplied. And uh, <clears throat> then they went into the land and they took it. From the Canaanites, not the Palestinians. <laughs> it was not named that. It was the Canaanites that lived in the land. And the iniquity of the Canaanites had come to a full and God said, now go in. And they needed to wipe all of them out because of the sin and the sicknesses and the diseases that they would have had. You say, God's a mean murderous God. No. If he hadn't told them to do that and they didn't do it, there would be all sorts of things that they would have endured. Even the ones they left in the land, like the Philistines, they didn't completely capture. They're a thorn in the side to Israel. But God keeps his promises to the prophets. They spoke of his faithfulness. Now, <clears throat> because people don't believe, and sometimes we don't believe, to our shame, in the promises of God, does that make his faithfulness without effect? Well, Romans tells us in chapter 3, in verses 1 to 3, What advantage then hath the Jew? What profit is there of circumcision? <laughs> much, Paul said, much every way, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Praise God for the Jews. They gave us what? <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> Praise God for their tenacity in writing it every jot and tittle. If you didn't have a computer and didn't have a, a typewriter, the old typewriter, and, and didn't have a printing press to run it off, would you do what they did? Faithfully, for months and years, write out the scriptures. They would write it. And then they would count it. They'd, they'd number it. 
to see if the number came up with the number that's supposed to be there, every jot and tittle was counted. And if the number didn't increase, didn't, didn't work out to what was supposed to be there, they'd screw it up and start again. <laughs> you know how you write and you miss a letter or a word? And that's what they did. They did it until they had it perfect. They kept and preserved the word of God for us. We read on much every way, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? And a lot of them didn't believe. It's in Romans. The word of God's gone forth, but who has believed our report? Shall their unbelief make the faith, we could say faithfulness of God without effect? No. Because the church is not growing to be worldwide and everyone believes does that make the faith of God without effect? No. We could say back in Noah's day, because they didn't believe Noah's preaching, a preacher of righteousness, does that make the faithfulness of God without effect? No. You see, it just goes on consistently. And in the end of the days of Israel in 586, 722 and 586, respectively for the ten and two tribes, <clears throat> They were wiped out, well, they were taken out of the land. They were captured and many of them killed. Does that make the faithfulness of God without effect? Do we say, well, God failed? No. <laughs> Remember what Moses said in the wilderness. God said, I will kill them all and I'll make of you a new nation. And Moses wisely said to the Lord, but Lord, the nations have seen what you've done so far. And they will say, well, God can't keep his promises. <laughs> That's basically what, what Moses said. And God said, okay, we'll keep on going with the nation we've got. Because people are not attending church, does that make the faithfulness of God without effect? No. Because fewer people are believing today than ever before, I think, in the church age. Does that make the faithfulness of God without effect? No. He will keep his promises and there will be multiple millions of people saved maybe that even living today but not yet he will what do it we've got to believe what God has said and put our state down and say yes he said it and he will do it <clears throat> turn to Romans chapter 11 and verse 26 and to, so all Israel shall be saved. And people would say, oh, come on, look at them. 80% of them don't even believe in God. They're a secular society like us. Maybe it's, that number's gone down and there's more orthodox people. But even the orthodox people, they believe there is a God, but they don't believe in who? For salvation. The Lord Jesus. So they're not saved. All Israel shall be saved, as is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer. Shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant, this is my promise. I will keep my promise, I will be faithful unto them when I shall take away their sins. But boy, will it take something. Who used to talk about it? I think it was Glenn Weeks. He used to talk about a four by two that God has to hit us over the head with, you know, <laughs> wake us up and say, <laughs> are you listening, folks? God is saying, are you listening to the world? And the four by two comes down in Ezekiel 38 and 39. God's four by two to the world and to the nation of Israel. Then, and I wrote it all yesterday, six, six times, then six times, then they shall know that I am. Praise God. And he will fulfill his promises. This is the covenant to them. And what is, what is he covenanted to us? Well, there's all the promises. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what was the reply of Paul to the Philippian jailer there? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. John 3.16 For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, this is a promise of God, believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe it? We're not there yet but we're getting there, getting there fast. Do you believe that promise? Yes. 
Don't be like the Israelites. Don't be like past generations. Don't be like many people today that don't believe that. <coughs> Was it John 1.12? But as many as received him, to them can be power to become the children of God. Maybe I've got it wrong. Even to them that believe on his name. Do you believe the promise? Yes. Just because people are unfaithful. Just because people don't believe. You believe. <laughs> As concerning the gospel in verse 28 of Romans 11. They are enemies for your sake. But as touching election, they are beloved. That is talking of Israel for the father's sake. He loves them. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, they're irrevocable. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't turn it. He doesn't in the middle saying, well, this is not working. You'll say you talked about that with Moses. <laughs> this is not working. They've gone and, and built a golden calf. Well, let's choose another. You know, Moses, you'll be the one for the new nation. They would have put them back 400 years, back to Abraham and Sarah. But no, <laughs> Moses said no. And I think the Lord was testing Abraham to see what he would, he would say. Well... <clears throat> We've got through the prophets spoke of God's faithfulness. And next week we'll move on to the preachers in the Old Testament that spoke of his faithfulness. And Lord willing, finish the pilgrim that experiences God's faithfulness. And that's speaking of us, the pilgrim. We experience his faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. As the psalmist said, and we read this morning, <clears throat> and also the promise of God's faithfulness, or the promises contained in God's faithfulness. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for these prophets and these people of old, the patriarchs and the sages of past times, Lord, that you recorded their lives, their events, the challenges they had. They lived in tougher times than we do. They didn't live with the conveniences that we have, but they remain faithful. Thank you for them. Thank you, for, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Let us believe the promise like Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the children of Israel and the prophets. The promise of salvation in Jesus Christ. The promise that he will come again and receive us unto himself that where he is there we may be also. Lord, these are promises we can take hold of and believe that they will happen and you will do it. And Lord, we pray even so, come Lord Jesus and do it in your time. Lord, bless the saint today. The message has been to the saint, but for the sinner, they can trust in your faithful promises that if they believe, they shall be saved. Provide salvation full and free to them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.